Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today we have our special guest, Ellen March, with us. So thanks for being here, Ellen. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we're really excited to have you. So first, sort of tell everyone a little about you and sort of your background in sewing and maybe some quilting as well. Sure. Um, so I've been sewing for geesh as long as I can remember, really. Um, and it was really my passion growing up and through college. Um, I kind of, I don't know, really, really started appreciating it more um, when I thought I could make money at it. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> So I, you know, would make a few things like bags and wear them to class and people would ask me, um, you know, if I sold them and sorry, that's my dog trying to (laughs) wants to be part of the show. I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So at any rate, um, when I graduated, um, college, I, you know, tried my best to make money sewing and, um, would search various job sites and things like that um Mm -hmm. and came across a ad for so news magazine Mm -hmm. and at the time I didn't even know that so news magazine existed in fact I didn't even know there were sewing and quilting magazines (laughs) Um, (laughs) as many times as I visited Joann's and you know fabric stores um I I'd never noticed the newsstand so um come to find out it was published kind of right around the corner from where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote a letter to the editor in chief and asked if they needed anyone that was, you know, that had a skill set similar to mine, you know, mm-hmm. entry level, that type of thing. Um, and even though they didn't have a job posting for an editorial assistant, they brought me in and interviewed me for that because they really needed that position anyway. So mm-hmm. Long, long story short, I was hired after a very long process um, <laughs> and started working at Sonos. Um, and, you know, all of the sewing br- brands under the parent company umbrella um, just sort of started falling into my lap. And right. I ended up as the community content director for FMW Media at the time. So, you know, my sewing career honestly was part accidental and part, um, you know, me kind of just asking for more and more, um, as far as my job was concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was let go last year, I had the great, great fortune to be offered a job with Sulky of America. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had worked with Sulky for, you know, as long as I can remember with my career at So News, and they were just huge, huge supporter of of me personally and the sewing brands, and so it all TV, which was our PBS show for nine seasons. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, knowing what a great company it was and how great they are to their employees and really anyone that works with them, um, you know, it was just such a great fit. So. Now I happily um, work for Sulky and I'm the director of content and 
Um, that was probably more than you asked for. For the- no, that was that was perfect. And it like you you halfway answered my next question too, which was going to be who you currently work for. But uh, tell us a little bit about who Sulky is and what they do and what they have. If someone has never heard of them before, sure. Well, mostly Sulky is known for thread and uh, decorative thread, to be exact. So mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of different weights of thread, uh, depending on what kind of craft you like to do. Um, and a lot of metallics, hollow shimmers, sliver, um, specialty threads, you know, for embellishing and especially for machine embroidery applications. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Sulky was really born out of a need, um, that a home sewer, um, sort of discovered. So Joyce Drexler, uh, was a thread artist and mm-hmm. she really just painted fabric with needle and thread. And mm-hmm. she realized that if her fabric was stabilized um, properly, that she'd have a lot easier time at her craft. Mm-hmm. So that's really, I mean, to make a really other long story short, that's pretty much how Sulky was born um, out of this. Okay. And, you know, a person who really understand sewing from the home sewing level. So they really were integral in bringing machine embroidery to the home sewer um, in the form of these products. So, you know, the stabilizers, they really innovate as far as stabilizer goes. They were the first company to really come out with a Solvi stabilizer, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, if you're not a machine embroidery aficionado, um, Solvi is Sulky's water-soluble stabilizer. Um, so, you know, you could stabilize your fabric or use it as a topper and eliminate puckers and, um, you know, things of that nature and just wash it away completely when you're done. So perfect. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think, so I didn't actually know that I, I associated the Drexler name cause I know you work with another Drexler right now as well. Is it, is it related? I'm assuming. I think, yes. Yeah. Eric Drexler. So yeah, he's uh, Fred and Joyce's son, <laughs> and okay. yeah, and he's a great, great thread artist as well. I mean, he just it does phenomenal work, and he does a lot of our teaching for free motion embroidery and free motion quilting. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much just free motion guru. Um, all of our online classes. Um, feature all of his sort of proprietary techniques so perfect I learned something new already we're like five minutes in and I learned something new that's amazing I had no idea <laughs> perfect well so they uh, you, you mentioned they have a bunch of different threads for different crafts and obviously us here at National Quilter Circle we talk a lot about quilting and they, they obviously have quilting thread as well or thread that can be used for quilting um kind of talk a little bit about what that would be and then also why it's important to have good quality thread, no matter what your project or craft is. Sure. So for quilting, you know, a lot of the times I'll use a 30 weight thread for quilting because I Mm -hmm. want the thread to really stand out. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also have really great invisible thread um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, is great for when you don't want the quilting to stand out and you're just kind of doing, you know, stitch in the ditch or that type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, 
what makes their invisible thread unique is, you know, it's completely washable. You can iron right over it. It's not going to melt. Um, you know, I use it just like I would use a spool of rayon thread. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also worked with some great quilters who are using rayon thread for quilting. And I get a lot of questions about this because people are like, no, no, that's for machine embroidery. Um, but it really does give a great sheen. Um, yes. and mm-hmm. it looks really cool on your finished quilt. So there's a lot yeah. of options. Also our 12 weight cotton thread, um, is really great for hand quilting, big stitch quilting, mm-hmm. kind of sashiko effects. We really, we recommend that for hand embroidery also, um, mm-hmm. because one strand of that thread equals two strands of traditional embroidery floss. Okay. And it comes on a spool. So instead of having this skein of embroidery floss that- Which you know, always gets tangled up. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, it comes on a spool with a you know snap spool top so you can wrap it around and store it really easily. And then you can also use it on your machine. So as long as you have a big enough needle, um, you're good to go. I love the invisible thread too. I think that definitely has sort of come a long way from feeling like fishing line to now feeling like thread, right? Right. I agree. You just have to be careful about winding the bobbin because if you don't slow that down, um, it's just going to be wound a little too tight and Mm -hmm. that's where your stitches will pop or, um, you know, the tension will seem unbalanced while you're quilting. Mm -hmm. So that's for that. (laughs) Makes sense. So that's specifically for quilting, which is obviously the end of the quilt making process, but in terms of piecing, so we're just putting together, you know, our blocks or our pieces, what kind of thread would you use for that? I mean, that's similar to any kind of sewing you've done as well. Oh yeah, sure. So, um, I like to use a 40 weight and we have a poly light that is really Mm -hmm. great for piecing because it's not going to add any weight to your quilt. And, you know, if you have a block that has a ton of intersecting seams, um, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure there isn't a big old thread buildup, you know, where they all intersect. Um, So I like to use poly light for that. But I also really love the 50 weight cotton and steel thread by Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'll even use that to make a garment. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also use it a lot for piecing and quilting. So if I want to use the exact same thread and not switch it out, I'll use the cotton and steel. That That's always sort of my go-to is anything cotton. I don't, even if I'm not even sewing with hundred percent cotton fabric, I'll still probably use cotton thread, which I know you're not always supposed to, but it's sort of just, I feel like it just kind of works for everything. So it's, can't go wrong with cotton thread. It's a good all purpose. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we've talked a lot about thread. I kind of want to talk more about you um, and sort of your, you, you gave us a little history into your sewing career and how you first got started. But do you have a first memory of being in front of a sewing machine? I do. You know, when I was growing up, my grandmother was the seamstress in her little tiny town in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would take the, the, pants from the farmers and, you know, mend them and replace buttons and hem them and things like that. Um, and she had an old, old singer, you know, treadle sewing machine. Um, I mean, man, I wish she was alive now to see this fantastic machine that is in my sewing room. (laughs) out. But at any rate, um, I definitely remember, you know, sitting on her lap and putting my hands on her hands while she's sewing. Um, it's like one of my most cherished memories of my grandmother. 
Um, and it certainly grew from there. And I learned a lot from my mom as well. But that's, you know, I don't know how old I was, but I have that memory of my hands on her hand mm -hmm. at the sewing that's, table. That's perfect. I think, I think it's great when you can associate what you do now for a living and what you've been doing for years back to a, a great memory, a beginning memory like that. I think it's always good to come full circle. Definitely. So speaking of whatever fancy schmancy machine you have, what do you sew on? <laughs> Well, right now, okay, I'm so lucky, right? So mm -hmm. lucky. I am sewing on the Husqvarna Viking Designer Epic 2. Oh, okay. I have the Epic 1. Oh, man. Now I feel like I'm outdated. <laughs> <laughs> it is the latest and greatest. Um, I've actually named mm -hmm. her Lady Glitter Sparkle uh, oh. <laughs> because she actually you know, the Epic one is all blue accents. This one is purple and it has glittery sparkles on the base of it. It's so awesome. Oh my goodness. Okay. Similar to the Epic one, which, um, I just traded in. Um, but it has just a few more optional features and man, mm -hmm. it is a beast, but it is named the Epic for a reason. I love it yes. so much. <laughs> yes. Well, so now maybe I have to correct myself because mine is pink and it's the Epic 980Q. And I just assumed that was the first Epic. Oh, but now I'll have to, and I'll have to look because like I said, mine's bright pink, no glitter, but very, very pretty. And it's one of those machines where it's definitely smarter than I am. Like you just sew and it's like can sense what fabric you're sewing on. And if you need to adjust presser foot pressure and tension, it just does it automatically. It is amazing. Yeah. And you highly know, recommend. that's a really good point because Sulky just launched a brand new thread. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's called Filane and it's a 12 weight thread and it's acrylic and it gives like a fuzzy kind of texture. Okay. To your embroideries. Yeah. Like a vintage quality. Um, mm -hmm. but you can also brush it out with a stiff, um, like wiry brush and yeah. it look like fur. So you can do animal designs. You can even just brush really? flower design. It gives really cool texture. So my point about bringing that up is this particular machine, like you said, will sense the, the fabric combination that you're using. So mm -hmm. instead of having to go in there and make all these manual tension adjustments, mm -hmm. it sews it no problem. Like, yeah. and I mean, you have to make a lot of adjustments for 12 weight embroidery. You know, the design has to be um, digitized or uh, edited so that mm -hmm. there's a lot less stitches, a lot right. less fill, you know, in order for the thread to, um, Y y not take over the fill space. Mm -hmm. um, so at any rate, uh, I had to do a lot, a lot of testing of that thread. And I was so thankful to have this super fancy schmancy machine to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I can second that. <laughs> so, okay. So the, the machines we have can obviously like do some work for us in terms of uh, tension and things like that. But obviously with the thread, you have to pick and choose the correct needle. So it does, Sulky Thread have recommended needles that, you know, if you get this thread, you should use this needle. Or I guess, how do you know, or how do you pick which one you use? Yeah, we do actually on the, on the website, um, when you're looking up the different threads, um, you know, in the description, it'll, it'll recommend the needle to use. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes there are exceptions to that rule. You know, I mean, like this filane thread I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you want to use like 116 needle. 
mm-hmm. um, so that there's a large enough eye for the thread to go through. And however, if you are using that thread on a really lightweight fabric, first of all, you need stabilizer. And secondly, you need a little bit smaller needle. So a 9014 is going to work, but you have to make sure the thread is going to glide through that needle hole before you start using it. So I learned a great rule of thumb from Sue Hausman back in the day. Mm -hmm. And she told me before you thread your machine, take the needle you're going to use and pass a length of thread through it and rock the ends of the thread back and forth with your hands. Hopefully I'm explaining Mm -hmm. that right. Yes. Mm -hmm. If the needle glides along that thread with no friction and no problems, then it's the right needle. If it glides Mm -hmm. through too fast, then your needle is too big. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. So, I mean, that has carried with, I've carried that tip with me ever since I learned it. And I think it's just a really great way to make sure that you have the right needle for the project or for the thread. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think a lot of times people either, you know, get your machine and it comes with that little free pack of needles and you put that in and you use just that. Or sometimes, you know, I've seen people sort of just randomly pick and just kind of cross their fingers and hope that it works and then wait until they have stitch quality issues to to make a needle adjustment. But yeah, that's definitely a good thing to sort of from the beginning, pick the right needle, test it out. And I think all of your stitching will look better because of it. Yeah. And I will say a lot of the times people want to blame the thread when they're having Mm -hmm. issues, right? So if you know that you've chosen a good quality thread and it's not um, from the 99 cent bin or, you know, has been in your closet for 12 years, um, it's probably never going to be the thread's fault, quite honestly. Right. Um, I I always, always look at the needle first. There could be the tiniest little burr on it or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, perhaps you've moved your needle one position to the left and you don't realize it and it's the stitch plate or throat plate or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot, a lot of times the needle. And, you know, on the Sulky website, we actually have these exclusive organ needle packs. and you know, what's really, really cool about them is the packaging, quite honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a woman. I like pretty packaging. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will buy things just because the packaging is cool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's cool about the packaging is it's eco-friendly in that it's corrugated cardboard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's like these little... Uh, sections that hold each needle. Well, mm-hmm. there's sections to either side of them as well. So if you're a person like me who switches from sewing to embroidery quite often within the same mm-hmm. project or, you know, several times throughout the day, uh, you can easily move the needle that you've used two or three spots to the left or right of the main mm-hmm. needle packs um, and then store it. And then when you go back to needing to use it again, you know which one has been used. Because let's face mm-hmm. it, when we put it in our pin cushion, we have no idea anymore what we use that for, how long it was used, you know, yes. not, and if we put it in a traditional plastic needle container, you still have no idea which end was, you know, used and not used. So right. for that reason alone, I like the organ needles. Um, and, you know, we recommend which one to use with each thread type, like I said. Perfect. 
That's good. And like you said, it's not always, not usually ever, the thread problem, usually needle problem. But like you said, too, it could just be a needle thread combination not going together. So using the recommended and testing it out needle for that thread can help alleviate some of those issues too. Uh, but you did mention not storing your thread in your closet for 12 years. Uh, where, where should you store your thread and how should you store it? Well, I always like to make sure my thread is covered up mm -hmm. in some way. So, you know, storing it on a pegboard or something like that looks really pretty in your sewing room. Um, mm -hmm. And I will admit, I will do that sometimes. Um, I don't have a mega thread board. Um, I don't know what they're called, but you know, one that holds a hundred spools, that type of thing. Um, I might have a few of those. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like someone like you or I, that is really going through that thread really quickly. I mean, we're making lots and lots of projects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's fine because you know, you're going to be using it up and it's not going to collect a lot of dust and the sun isn't going to be hitting it and kind of breaking it down and, you know, making it fade if, if it's right. a particular thread type. Um, but those are the reasons that I like to th store my thread covered up. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Sulky makes these slimline boxes that I have come to love. I didn't realize that I could hang them as well. So mm -hmm. open them up and hang them by the handles. Um, if you want to see all of your colors while you're doing, let's say an embroidery project so that you can easily mm -hmm. look up and be like, I want that blue next. Um, but you can also shut it and hang it by the handle as well and see through it. Um, and that really, you know, protects it from the elements and is just going to make your thread last a lot longer. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, I just don't have a lot of space, you know, on my walls and on my tables to, you know, have this thread collection for, you know, on display. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like to be able to stack the boxes and, and kind of put them out of sight too, if I, if I need to. Perfect. So you mentioned the, the having the space and being able to hang them on the wall. So I've, I don't know if people have seen some of the, the videos I've done in the past. I always have thread on the wall behind me. And I know that goes against what we've even said in terms of storing your thread, but I like to tell everyone that that is my decoration thread. It's all organized and color coordinated. And I never really use it unless I need that color because I, I can't have an empty spot and I can't, so I can't <laughs> run out. Like it's, it's like an art piece in my room. So I have my usable thread and I have my decoration. thread. <laughs> I but, liked it. Right. It's good. You don't need to buy a wall art. You just buy more thread. So <laughs> speaking of your, your sewing space, what is your current sewing space look like? What is, what is all in there? Oh man. You know, I'm, I, I work in a, small office right mm -hmm. in my house and it's half office and half sewing space but I will admit the sewing space has really taken over so um it's supposed to be half and half but it's probably more like 80 20 at this point mm -hmm. um I've got a lot of Ikea products um because I have had to gobble up every last bit of storage um that I could out of this space mm -hmm. Um, but I've got a, um, really comfy office chair on wheels so that I can wheel back and forth from my computer right to the sewing machine, um, mm -hmm. throughout the day. Um, cause inevitably I'm working on some kind of embroidery design or some kind of project at the same time as probably 50 different projects right. um, on the computer. So, um, I have a really great cutting space, um, and 
you know, a, a big white Ikea table that I have my giant machine on. And then Ikea has these great plastic pegboards on their mm-hmm. site and they are at their stores and they come in three different sizes. And I have every size on my wall. <laughs> they're, they're holding stabilizer and quilting rollers and hoops and scissors and all kinds of great stuff. So Perfect. I should probably get a few though. I just have nails in my wall. <laughs> I have a lot of holes to fill if we ever move. <laughs> oh, you'll love it because they come with all these different types of hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them, like they, they have um, like paper towel roll holders. They are perfect yeah. for stabilizers. So oh, I have that's, a ton yeah. of those on one. So I have stabilizers just on rolls and I can just pull them out and cut them to size. It's really great. Perfect. So speaking of stabilizer, and this is something that, um, like you said, you, met, you mentioned you use stabilizer for embroidery. And given that you have a sewing background and people listening might have sewing background and be familiar more with the term interfacing, I'll, I feel like a lot of people try to use those words interchangeably, but they're not quite the same product, correct? Can you kind of explain what one is versus the other? Yeah, interfacing is going to be a little bit more lightweight. Um, and it's kind of the same as a cutaway stabilizer, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a fuse and stitch stabilizer that I have, I use in bag projects when I need like a lot of weight and I want the bag to be stiff and stand on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I obviously, since I work for Sulky, I'm using stabilizer for interfacing and we have so many different weights, but you want to make sure it's a permanent stabilizer. Like a cutaway is going to be a permanent, um, if you use a tearaway or something, you'd want to use um, some spray adhesive to make sure that it sticks with your fabric, you know, mm-hmm. throughout washing and wearing and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do want something really, really light, like you are stabilizing a collar or, you know, or excuse me, using that as interfacing, um, I would go the traditional interfacing route. Um, so as far as what makes them different, I honestly don't know that answer. But and I'm not sure that really anything makes them different other than one is marketed as, like you said, cuffs and collars and shirts and that kind of thing. And one is marketed towards embroidery. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we've got so many different types of stabilizers that, you know, you can, you can, you really can use them interchangeably. Like the mm-hmm. super, super lightweight, tender touch, let's say, um, could be used as garment interfacing, no problem. Um, and mm-hmm. might even be... Uh, nicer, you know, give you a nicer hand to the finished garment. Um, yeah. But, you know, test, test, test it always is what I like to say. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I feel like if someone is sewing background, they're, they're used to, say, working with their machine, picking their thread needles, fabric selection, same thing with embroidery or quilting. And I feel like this whole world of stabilizer and interfacing and all of that seems even to me like trying to pick a stabilizer for an embroidery project is kind of intimidating so how do you know what to pick versus you know cut away tear away uh water soluble whatever other heat removable i'm not even sure how many there are how do you choose the right one well thankfully on the selfie website there is a stabilizer selection tool Perfect. And if you go in there and plug in the fabric type you're using and the technique you're using it for, because, you know, beyond embroidery, there's stabilization for buttonholes and Mm -hmm. for decorative stitching and for cut work and, you know, different quilting techniques too. 
are all listed there. Um, and it kind of automatically matches up the stabilizer you need based on the technique and the fabric that you're using. So it's a great tool. But like I said, there's still going to be exceptions. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll go into the stabilizer selector tool um, because I want to cut down on the number of tests I'm doing, really. Mm -hmm. And there will be two different options. And one will say, well, if you're using this type of thread or you're doing this, go with this. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not the be all end all right answer every single time. Um, right. But it's a but it gives you a starting place. place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, and I will say like sulky sticky plus is kind mm -hmm. of my go to when I don't know. Because okay. it has never failed me. I've used it on <laughs> so many different types of fabric. And it's really meant for hoopless embroidery. Um, mm -hmm. When you just lay your fabric on top of the hooped stabilizer, it has a sticky surface. Um, and it's a tearaway also. So it'll stick to your fabric during the embroidery process. And then you just tear, tear it away completely when you're done. Mm -hmm. And I just... I find even if I'm using a cotton fabric and I hoop it, the hooping process can stretch your fabric, even if it is the slightest little bit of, you know, warping those fibers in the fabric. Mm -hmm. So any time that I can do hoopless embroidery or I'm nervous that I haven't stabilized it properly or with enough layers, I'll use Sticky Plus and it works out great every single time. Perfect. It's always, it's always good to have a go-to so that way you can try that first and then make adjustments if you need to. So uh, <laughs> you're good. Back to, so more about you and your project. So you mentioned, you know, you're working on embroidery projects. You have a million things going on with work. If you have the time and you can actually sit down and make something for yourself, what is like your go-to sewing project or something that you like to make for yourself? Oh my gosh, making something for myself? <laughs> I know, right? What a concept. <laughs> I don't even know if I can answer that because Okay, what would you make if you probably, could? Probably something for my kids. Um mm -hmm. I love making Halloween stuff, okay? And mm -hmm. it's you know, one of my favorite things is to make a, a Halloween costume from start to finish. Um mm -hmm. but now that I have three kids, uh that is <laughs> super challenging. So right. Um, now I just like to make sure I have at least one homemade element with the rest of the purchased costume. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Okay. I still get involved, but, um, but anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I like to make stuff for my house. You know, I like mm -hmm. to recover couch cushions and make like pillows and, you know, you can get a whole new look for your room just by changing out the pillows. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. So, you know, some things I've done is I basically made a headboard for my bedroom mm -hmm. uh, by getting some great plush fabric and quilting some di quilting a diamond pattern on it. Mm -hmm. And then I basically just stapled it to a piece of plywood and it, it like stands up behind my bed. That's perfect. Um, so, <laughs> I like it. You know, things like that. That's perfect. I So I have a problem with I make things and then I usually send them to my mom because she'll actually use them. And like I know, I think I've sent her, I don't know, over the years, like a million pillows. It's ridiculous. But it's because I know that at my house, either 
my two-year-old's going to throw them. My dogs are going to lay on them. And it's like, I, I make it and I want it to stay looking nice. So I don't want anyone to touch it. So that's why it goes to mom's house. Cause I know it'll stay nice there. <laughs> that so. makes sense. That's why I make rules all the time is because my right. children and animals destroy them. Yep. That, so there you go. That's the, that's the, I guess the, maybe I should be then, then I can be like a revolving pillow maker and just keep making new ones. I'll have to start doing that. Um, what is the best sewing or quilting tip or embroidery tip you've ever gotten, uh, or that you want to pass on to somebody? Oh man, that is opening such a can of worms. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, that, that tip from Sue Hausman comes to mind um, mm-hmm. because I've never forgotten it. And, you know, it's really helped me in my sewing as, as small as that tip seems, you know, it's really a a, a good one. Um, oh, yeah. Well, and it, it makes it to where, I mean, if you from the get go cannot sew a seam, you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to sew. So I like that definitely is a something to check from the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I learned a lot from Sandra Butsina over the years. Um, absolutely love her and her tutorials. She's mm-hmm. so relatable. And uh, what I learned from her is that, um, you know, you can recover from any mistake. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to get down on yourself and stop sewing and throw your machine against the wall if you're not getting something right. You know, it's kind of like, Nobody ever thinks they are a sewing expert because there's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I learned that from her and it, it really just helped me out. I mean, a lot of recovering from any mistake, whether it's sewing related or not is, you know, learning to laugh at yourself, I guess, mm-hmm. and yeah. move forward. And if that didn't work, do something else, go back to it later. Um, you know, she's such an inspiration. I remember her talking about taping her show. And this was back when I was really learning the ropes on Sew It All TV, um, mm-hmm. asking her a lot of questions. I really um, leaned on her to be my mentor there. And she <laughs> she uh, showed this clip of her and her um, co-host sitting at a table and they were in in New York city or something like this, or maybe it was her, um, San Francisco apartment and the camera panned down and they both weren't wearing pants. <laughs> it was so hot in the room and they had the studio oh light on and they were sewing and they're up on, you know, the 16th floor. And, you know, uh-huh. it was so hot that they could barely even sit there. And she said they were both just like swimming in their chairs, totally <laughs> nude from the waist down and she said it made for the best episodes because uh-huh. they weren't taking anything seriously. You know, I mean, yeah. they were getting their point across and they were teaching these techniques, but it was so lighthearted because of no, what nobody could see, you know? Right. And I guess that's just like, it just kind of takes her advice full circle of, you know, don't take it too seriously. Just have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so now, now I know, you know, how you're probably dressed for this podcast here, you know, knowing that there's no video. <laughs> Just I kidding. Fully clothed, fully clothed. <laughs> I have socks. Perfect. Perfect. I don't have socks. That's too hot in Texas. I can't wear, can't wear anything on my feet. So speaking of be- being able to recover from sort of any, I'll call a mistake, any misstep, anything like that. Have you ever 
made a project and you just got done and you were like, I hate it. I don't, what, what, what do I do with this now? Have you ever had a situation like that? Oh, never, Ashley. Um, <laughs> no, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, all the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, I used to make things kind of assembly line style when I was um, trying to, you know, sell things uh, mm-hmm. in college and stuff. And man, I would get so sick of making that same bag over and over again. Um, and, you know, and people would commission things for me and want them to look exactly the same. Um, and man, that got so boring for me. I mean, I was not cut out for that. It didn't last long, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's been a lot of times where, um, for example, uh, the first jacket I ever made, what a labor of love that was. And I loved the <laughs> fabric and I was fitting it to my body and man, that was like a super long project. Mm-hmm. And when I was done with it, you know, I put it on, it fit, it looked okay. And mm-hmm. I was like, I hate this. I'm never going to wear this. It goes with nothing in my closet. Mm-hmm. And now I've put all this time and effort and expensive fabric into it. And I'm just over it. And, yeah. <laughs> and well, it's just <laughs> disappointing, but I definitely learned a lot from the project. So right. do you still have it or what did you do with it? Um, I actually gave it away. Okay. okay. I'm sure somebody else really appreciated it and probably meant probably matched with everything in their closet. I was hoping, but you know, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't check in to see where that jacket is nowadays. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I want to end with kind of a, a fun question here, but what if someone is just wanting to get into whether it's quilting or sewing or embroidery, just sort of anything you know, a fabric and thread related craft, what is some either motivation or inspiration you can give to somebody who's on the fence about starting and not sure if they want to? Oh, I think just do it. Why not? You know, um, I, I think a lot of people are on the fence because they think there's this huge investment involved. You know, they have to go out and find a machine and they got to get some fabric and then they have to figure out the pattern and there's, you know, uh, all these things. And mm-hmm. just figure out a project that's going to inspire you that you want to make. And, you know, there's so many free resources online, Yes, um, you know, both at national sewing circle, quilting circle and at sulky.com even Mm -hmm. um, where you can ease yourself into it um, with expert instruction. You know, I Mm -hmm. think also um, a pitfall for some beginners is they go on YouTube and they, try to find sort of beginner lessons there. And while I love YouTube, don't get me wrong, what a <laughs> rabbit hole of awesomeness is YouTube. Um, I do think there are a lot of people out there that perhaps don't have the expert experience, let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people that do too. So, you know, read the reviews and make sure you're getting your information from um, a reputable source so that mm-hmm. you know the first time you try, you actually have success. Yeah, absolutely. A reputable source and just multiple sources. Because I mean, just from experience, I mean, I'm sure you and I do the same, say, technique or something totally different ways. Like you can just, you know, find one that either make sense to you or if there's one that you watch that you're like, I don't get that at all. Maybe watch the same technique by somebody else and they do it differently and it makes sense. So 
totally right. different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of sewing too. There isn't really, you know, the the right way. It's just going to be your way. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your tips and your stories. It was really fun chatting with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Oh, and I do want to ask one other little question here before we go, because I know you have this coming up and I'm a little bit jealous and I want to see pictures and hear all about it when you get back, but you have a fun trip coming up, don't you? Oh, I do. So Sulky has partnered with Craft Tours and mm-hmm. we are about to go to Germany and yeah. Austria um, in, let's see, the end of the year, this winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be exploring the Christmas markets in Germany mm-hmm. and also get an inside peek at the sulky factory, um, mm-hmm. where the thread is wound, um, in Germany and then where it's dyed in Austria. It's two different places. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to go there actually a few years ago when sulky had, um, their anniversary tour And so I have been there before and it's super fascinating. And I know a lot of people out there are probably like, the last thing I want to do in Germany is go to a thread factory. Um, (laughs) But it is so fascinating and really, really neat. If you like the how it's made videos that Mm -hmm. are out there, you will love this. Um, It's just so cool. Anyway, so we're we're doing that, but it's real. That's really a small portion of the tour. We'll be doing a lot of sightseeing and all of the quintessential things to do in Germany at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really exciting. I can't wait. Yeah. And that'll be uh, perfect. Yeah, and we'll we'll continue the Germany tours as well. Um, so there'll be a little bit different offering um, coming up in 2020. Perfect. And we're going to have you back on probably sometime. It'll be, I'm assuming next year. Now it's, it's weird to say that because we're, we're a few months away from it, but next year to have you back to talk about your trip and some upcoming ones as well. So we look forward to sort of that update as well. Great. Yeah. I can't wait. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here and we'll chat with you a little later. Thanks. Thanks.